rarely say Friday on these shows, Dan, because we rarely do them on Friday. Guy Adami here, the dressed up Guy Adami, the Mohawk sporting Guy Adami, joined by Dan Nathan in a brief few minutes. Carter Braxtonworth will join us for Market Call Special Edition, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We're sponsored today by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Dan, how are you on this glorious Friday, a Friday before Halloween on Monday. Yeah, boo. Um, that's your line that you've that been is doing. My line. Yeah, I did that, that once. It was hysterical. Yeah, once. You did it once. You know, it's funny doing this on Friday because like Thursday at one o'clock when we're doing it, we usually have LY from SoFi on yeah, with us. Sure. And, and, I, and I feel like there's still a lot more of the trading week. But right now, this is kind of like this is like the, you know, the 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 dawn of, uh, you know what I mean, of the weekend in a way. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Listen, here's the deal. This week, there was a lot going on, right, with all of those tech earnings. And, you know, when you think about four of the five really laid an egg and the Mm -hmm. fact that we're staring at Apple up seven and a half percent today off of what was, you know, a fine. I mean, the guidance was not particularly great. We were talking about on Fast Money as it was coming out. It's just this. What is it that people just have to buy that stock? They can sell down Amazon 20 percent in the aftermarket, but they buy that stock. One of the things that I posited last night on Fast Money, and I'm not suggesting I'm right, but it's something to think about is, you know, the devastation or the basically Amazon getting taken to the woodshed. I actually think that worked to Apple's benefit, quite frankly. And I think Apple has been one of these flight to quality names. And I think we saw it last night because to your point, I mean, the quarter was fine. There was nothing to not like about it, but it wasn't great by Apple standards uh, by any stretch of the imagination. They actually guided lower. Um, for a pretty important qu- So what does it mean? It means, again, people will flock to Apple. They find it defensive. It still trades to me at a, a premium valuation uh, in terms of obviously the broader market and in terms of where, quite frankly, should be trading given their EPS and their revenue growth, but <clears throat> nobody seems to care. So I think that's what's going on in Apple. In terms of the broader market, though, and Dan, we've been talking about this now since around October 13th, 14th, this rally is taking a lot of people, I think, catching them by surprise. And here we are, the Dow's up whatever, 600. You have an S&P that's higher. It's sort of grinding its way to 3,900. I thought that, you know, 4,000 is potentially in the cards. I think Carter probably shares that opinion. And we'll see how it shakes out. Again, I don't think we're out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. I've said that for a while. But much like we saw in June into August, these counter trend rallies can be vicious. Yeah, you know, listen, it was, I, I guess the setup was more, what's next week than this week, right? So get a lot of the bad news out of the way. We had, you know, you and I have been suspecting that some of these mega cap names would finally guide down. They did. They got punished here. The fact that money has rotated to other areas, you know, we've been talking about small caps. They never made a new low with the S&P and the NASDAQ. We've talked about, you know, yesterday, some of those names like a McDonald's um, and there was a whole host of others that had better than expected results and the stocks were doing just fine, you know? So again, I think we have this fascination, and Carter's going to speak to this, of these seven names, you know what I mean, in the S&P 500 that are a quarter of the weight. So that's uh, seven stocks that are a quarter of the weight of an index of how many stocks, Guy? Well, if it's the S&P 500, my sense is the reason they use that number is because that's how many stocks are associated with said 
index. You know what just left? Twitter just left the S&P 500 because they it's no longer building, it's say. no longer a, a listed company. But but you and I were saying earlier in the week on Market Call that maybe now we start thinking about the Fed in the time of year. I think on our On the Tape podcast, what did you call it? What did we name it? Tis the season or? Tis, it, it, well, the, it, it it's the season. And, you it's know, it's a the song season. by the zombies. I think yeah. it was 1968. It's the time of the season, Dan. Yeah. And it oh, is that's what it was. Earnings. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I, then I said, basically, and it's interesting that the zombies uh, sang that song because what the Fed has managed to do over the last 15 years, if yeah. not longer, is to create a laundry list of zombie companies and then right. i said but i digress and then danny said something you should listen to the on the table well they, that, that you know yeah, i mean we could just recite it right here well, or they could go listen to it scripted, you know, so. but the one thing is this week also started with chinese stocks getting absolutely destroyed and you know where we're ending the week right now i'm looking at the fxi guy it's mm-hmm. down four percent mm-hmm. i mean so you know we started with you know a huge downdraft there okay and now we're ending the week i think i think they're going to be lower and so you know to me it just feels like you know if you want to buy stocks you know you're going to buy them into the fed meeting you're going to hope that they basically have a more dovish sort of outlook after they do a 75 basis point hike and maybe you know it solidifies that 50 basis point is the max for december and then is it just all clear they just kind of rip them into year and i don't think that's the case i mean i think you probably get to 4,400, but at some point i think that valuations are still high sentiment has not really bottomed out we have not had a capitulation here in the U.S., in my opinion. No, I mean, just look at the companies that have reported and listen to what they said. I mean, these quarters of, I mean, I know people will say 70% of companies. I know all the nonsense that you'll hear, but a lot of these companies beat on lowered guidance. These numbers haven't been particularly good. And you know, just listen to the Amazon quarter, listen to some of the commentary out of them. And they made a veiled reference basically about controlling costs. I mean, they're going to start laying people off as well. Yeah. That's not a great backdrop. And I think, a lot of the companies are facing the same headwind. So the Fed can do whatever they want. And now there's some new Johnson Fed whisper out there. I don't know who there was some little Nick guy that used to Timorous. do it. Now there's some other jerk that does it. I mean, if you're out there, if somebody taps you on the shoulder to be their mouthpiece, don't do it. Okay. It's a Johnson move. You think you're going to make your career off the back of it? You're wrong. R O N G wrong. You're hitching your wagon to the wrong set of horses. But right. I digress. Let- I thought for a while. Yeah. A while being the last couple of weeks that this rally would take place, it would last into the midterm elections and then post midterm, all bets are off. And I'm going to stand by that, Dan. All right. So a couple of things. I just want to recap some things that I did on the week. Um, Meta, I bought um, some yesterday at 101. Stocks trading a little below 100. Um, you know, if you want our kind of rundown on Meta, you and I talked about it yesterday on Market Call. We also went into a greater depth of that on, on the tape podcast that dropped in your podcast store. So check it out, people, this morning. Um, I also bought on the opening today, Guy, a little Amazon at $100. Um, earlier in the week, I bought some FXI calls, the December 22s, and here we are now at 2130. I was looking mm-hmm. smart for about a day or two. Um, you know that we have both a bearish view on the dollar. Um, I am playing that via the UUP ETF that tracks the U.S. dollar index. Um, I am long puts in December. And then lastly, I think you and I both feel like the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, um, it's contending with that uptrend, 4%-ish right now. It was below that yesterday. Maybe we see three and a half, and I'm playing that along the GOVT. That's an ETF that tracks U.S. Treasury. So there's just some trading activity on the week 
from me, Thoughts Guy on Intel, reported last night, stocks up 10%, massively underperformed its peers, the tech market. It's a disaster. We have a one-year chart. We have a 10-year chart. Uh, is this maybe it's so bad, it's good? Yeah. No, I don't no. think so. But well, no. I don't think so. I mean, Carter might have a different view. And listen, can this thing rally up to 30 or something? Yeah, probably. But I mean, this is a stock that's now underperformed for the better part of five or six years. I mean, I don't care who you put in charge. And the fact, again, and I sort of ranted about this the other day, you know, Mobileye, they spin off Mobileye to unlock value. Well, if you were doing your job properly, I would submit you should be able to unlock the value under the auspices or umbrella of Intel. But I mean, that's just probably my pet peeve. Yeah. Data center, which is basically, I mean, that's the, that is the area they really have to focus on. It has to be a driver. I mean, it continues to deteriorate right before our very eyes. So people will say Intel is cheap on valuation. It's cheap for a reason. Can you buy it here for a trade? Yeah, probably. Is this a long-term hold? I would submit absolutely. I don't care how much money yeah. they're spending in the state of New York or wherever they're building their new foundry plants and all that stuff. By the way, you're talking about something that's at least 10 years uh, to complete, by the way. Just yeah, I mean, but again, you know, I'll just say this, and you know this, and, and you know, I mean, people don't buy stocks based on what they've done in the past. They they do it based on mm -hmm. what's in the future. And I think you have a company that has mis-executed. Um, they've gotten their, like, you know, they've lost tons of market share to AMD and NVIDIA and other parts um, where they compete. They're trying to go a bit more asset light. The valuation is cheap. You look at that 10-year chart. I just think that you probably have, you know, I said this on Fast Money last night when the stock was unchanged. I think you probably have 25% downside and 100% upside. This is like if you're looking out two years. So to me, I think the risk reward is kind of favorable. Let's see if it can hold these gains, um, you know, and not break the lows from earlier this year. But to me, this one looks interesting for a turnaround. Yeah, no, look, totally understand why you would say that. I get it. You know, and a lot of people have thought that. I mean, maybe now's the time. Maybe all the bad news is now out. I mean, when was the last time you saw one of those Intel inside commercials? Do, do, do. No, you know, I haven't seen. So they've lost their way. And maybe under the leadership of Mr. Gelsinger, they'll figure it out. I, I'm not convinced they will, quite frankly. And we'll see because it's tough. You know, once people make that switch to your point about market share, it's not like you go to the grocery store and change the kind of milk you're buying just as an FYI. Yeah. Like, by the way, I like the 2% milk because I found myself to be a bit lactose intolerant. And before we get to Carter, you did this because you knew I was sort of tweaked this morning. You didn't want to further tweak me. You didn't say, you can find on the tape on your favorite podcast store. You just said at a podcast store. Wherever you know you when you say favorite, podcast. it drives me crazy right, because it's just like let, let's as hit if there are different types of podcast stores. I mean, let's the, hit a couple the couches in the Apple store better. Yeah, Sorry. That's, that's correct. All right, let's let's hit a couple other things here because you know those gaps. And I mentioned that I bought a little Meta at 100. I bought a little Amazon at 100. I'm looking at Snap, which I bought a bunch when it gapped down here. And here's the stock at 10. It got as low as 740. Mm -hmm. Okay, last Friday. So you know when I think about an Amazon or a Meta, I, I think there's a potential that they fill in the gaps. You know, so um, you know again, it, you know that's the trading component of it. You'd have to have a longer term view of a turnaround for both really meta is a turnaround i mean amazon is just kind of reorienting um after the pandemic they overbuilt they know it. they're talking about it you just said they're going to cut jobs what do you think of that as a trading strategy because you and i have also said 
on market call, you know what? There's really no need to be a hero in a market like this in front of earnings in very controversial names that might have binary outcomes. The binary outcome might present the opportunity. Right, listen, I'm, I'm t- totally with you. My point about Facebook is so much of it is self-inflicted, uh, you know, and, you know, Mark, he's an easy person not to like. So there's a part of me that takes great joy in watching this. And I'm going to be honest. It's I mean, it's just true. And I'm sure some people share that thought, number one. But in terms of trading the stock, we talked about it the other day. Prior to, we said there's a very good chance that you're going to see a couple hundred million shares of volume, which is going to be six or seven times normal volume. That's going to be a capitulation, but it's not going to bounce over the course of the next week or so. It's going to take time. And I actually compared it to Netflix. You go back and look at Netflix. I mean, that stock bottomed for about four and a half, five months around 185, 190. And then here we are, trades north of 300. So, that's what my point was. I'm not comparing the companies. I'm not saying they have the same problems. It's not the point. It's the setup is extraordinarily similar. And I'll say this about Snap. And I said it the other day. You saw a capitulation in terms of volume on the sell side. And we said when it was trading eight or so, that stock could rally 150%, which is not unreasonable, and still be a broken company. And I think that's exactly the, the situation. I think that's the setup that we find ourselves in. So I think you did exactly the right thing. Yeah. Um, one last thing here. So Tesla today, weaker, it was down three and a half percent down, it's down about 1% here. So Elon Musk closed his thing of Twitter, his buy, the stock is no longer listed on the NYSE. Um, he had to put up tens of billions of dollars in equity um, that he had to fund via selling Tesla, he's going to be the CEO. He fired the CEO, the CFO, and the head of trust and safety, their head lawyer there. I mean, at what point, like how many like companies, major companies, can he be the CEO of where it doesn't start to weigh on the one company that is actually publicly listed, and that's Tesla. Jack Dorsey did it successfully for about four and a half, five months. There was a point in time where both Square and Twitter were doing extraordinarily well, but that was short-lived. And, you know, he literally, and you can speak to this, Dan, he would spend half his day at Twitter, then walk across the street to Square or VC Vice, whatever it is. And at a certain point, that's unsustainable. And as brilliant as Elon Musk clearly is, I mean, you can only spread yourself so thin before everything starts to take a hit. So the answer is, I don't know. Now, the real question is, because now we can't trade Twitter, what does it mean for Tesla? Is he going to take his eye off the ball? A stock that traded below 200 earlier this week has bounced. But my my thing is here, and I'm not a hater, I think you're looking for another place to reload Tesla on the short side. And to some extent, maybe we're seeing it right before our very eyes now. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you and I are both in the camp that this thing sees lower lows here. Um, and some of this stuff, I think that when you think about how you know controversial he can be and, and the sort of dust ups that he ends up creating, if the only way um, for investors to vote on his behavior is via Tesla stock, you know, it, there, it does run a risk. I'm no longer short of the stock, um, but, you know, it would be something very attractive to me if this thing were to rally, you know, at some point in the end of the year, I don't know, maybe back towards 250, 260 or something like that. All right, guy, you know, enough of me and you going back on stuff. Let's bring a smart guy in. Should yeah. we bring a smart guy in? Uh, well, I mean, can, in comparison, it can only be a smart person, but without further ado, which is I've mentioned a number of times, the French word with I E. And you, wow! Wow! So how handsome you are! So flattery will get you nowhere. (laughs) So you guys. Anyway, how how the heck are you? 
Carter, doing well. You heard us opining. You look great, by the way. Clearly getting ready for Options Actions uh, this evening, 5.30 (laughs) Eastern Time, the great show on CNBC, which you, by the way, are a stalwart on. You heard us talking thoughts because I think we've all collectively shared similar views on the market over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, one thing, I mean, the intel is obviously an interesting just because of the uh, good price action today, but also how bad it has been, right? And so maybe to start with that, we can go on from there. A a 64% decline, a pop. I think it is tradable. There'll be some follow through, uh, obviously, but that doesn't make it a good long-term investment. In fact, uh, while one can trade anything and make or lose money, and I think you will be able to make money on further upside here, Intel's relative performance to the semiconductor index peaked 24 years ago. I mean, what? So the thing is just like uh, it's the it's your father's Chevrolet, so to speak. Right. It's just not uh, the uh, semiconductor to embrace for the future. But it's so far below the 150 moving average. Uh, It is gapping up today, a news related gap. Uh, the thinking is, I think you can trade. Carter, question for you, because you talk to a lot of um, very smart institutional investors. You talk to now a lot of retail with your, you know, worth charting here. Do you ever hear stuff anecdotally about fundamentals that reinforce some of the things that you're seeing in the charts or some thesis that you've developed on a stock or a sector? And I'm just curious because again, you know, we go back and forth with this, you know, for me, charts are a really important input about entries, about exits, about risk management, about, you know, how I use um, options and the strikes that I choose, that sort of stuff. But do you ever go the opposite way where let's just say you're the most bullish chart that you see, you're all in on that thing. Do you care what the company is saying on their earnings? Like Apple is a great example. Let's just say you were, you know, bullish on Apple. Um, you know, there's nothing that they said on their earnings call. You know what I mean? That was bullish. Mm-hmm. But you might, if you're a, if you're a fundamental bull, you might convince yourself of something like that. I'm just curious how you think. Sure. About that. I mean, I think the key is it's obviously always knowing who one is in the market. And I myself, right, don't cast an eye in any way to the fundamentals for making investment decisions. It's purely technical. But the the history of all of this, and it's important, is that Conventional wisdom says an, uh, an analyst raises a price target, a prominent analyst on a $20 stock to 25, and then the stock moves up. It's exactly the opposite. In fact, there's a there's an inverse correlation. It's almost perfect. Price moves first, and analysts then revise their price targets up or down in response. So what you'll see now is people will raise their Intel price targets. And this happens all the time. They lower their 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 Tesla price targets after the the horse is out of the barn. And so there is wisdom in price. Price is, uh, in fact, the government knows this. It's in the prices. Stock prices are in the leading indicator index. And we have a perfect example of this in the general equity market, since that is what you guys were talking about, really at the top. What do we know on the thirtieth of December? We are at all time highs. We made a new all time high on Jan four of this year, and yet. Internally, one out of two stocks in the S&P itself is making an all-time high. We're down more than 20%. Now, think about that. The prices were already telling us we're about to come apart. And then, indeed, we sell off for the past seven, eight, nine, ten months. And what do we get now? The facts are coming out. These are bad earnings. So the price was ahead of it. Now, the real hard thing to figure out is this recent bounce, yet again, an instance where the prices are starting to get ahead of the facts and predicting that we've bottomed. I don't think that's the case yet. You've brought with you um, some of your wonderful work, highlighting six names, uh, if my math is correct. Yes. And Berkshire 
being one of those names. Speak to us as to why you brought this on this lovely Friday, Carter Worth. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it speaks to internals and, and, and so forth. So what you have here is just, uh, this is basically a quarter. The S&P is about 31 trillion right now, depending on the day, it was mm-hmm. 30.9. Anyway, uh, these top six stocks, and what I was trying to depict here is, because I have a lot of incoming questions, why is the market holding up? Right, it's it's basically unch here for a couple of weeks in a row when China stocks are collapsing. Apple, Microsoft missing, Amazon, Meta. It's one disaster after another. And the one month performance you see the the column there of these top six names, which are seven point seven trillion and twenty five percent, is very red, negative, unhappy. By contradistinction, look at this next, and I believe we have it. We have. Uh, um, a, a list of, it's harder to see here, but this is a basket, a, a, a 50 stock basket mm-hmm. of names. Look at the one month performance. These 50 stocks are exactly the same market cap, 7.7 trillion. So here is 25% of the S&P and those top six are 25% of the S&P. And this basket is up 13%. So think about that war going on, right? And this is, again, not to say there are other stocks, but I want to do large liquid names that everyone knows the names. Everyone knows every name on that list, right? And they're all types, right? From restaurants to defense to software to energy, marquee names. This 25% is up 13% over the past month, whereas the other 25%, those top six names, are down. And that is the war that's going on. Yeah. And I, and the I'm- real question is, and just to finish here, how in the heck does it get resolved? How does it resolve itself? That, right. Listen, it's interesting. You look at the if you look if your eyes go to the left, you'll see those names. If we can put them up quickly, top out of the top four names, three of them are names we talk about literally all the time: Exxon, Conoco, and Chevron. I mean, we literally talk about those three um, in a unit for literally months here on Market Call, and all three of those stocks, I think. Or either making with an earshot of an all-time high. Netflix, I think we've done a great job. But under the radar screen, and look at a name like Lockheed Martin, and if we could pull a chart up quickly on the fly, look at Northrop Grumman, NOC, over the last six or so months. You talk about a classic breakout. It's happening in Northrop Grumman. And I know we've mentioned them here on Market Call. We talk about them on Fast Money as well. These defense stocks, Carter, real quietly, have been absolutely off to the races. Oh, tremendous. And, and to, to Guy's point, if we actually look, look at that table one more time, there's another characteristic. Not only are they stocks that you guys have been talking about, but if you look at that table of, of the 50, what is the common characteristic? Value. Yeah. There's no growth in a single look, not Caterpillar, value, Exxon, Conoco, right? Simon Wright, Lockheed, GE, JP Morgan. It's value growth, which has been a story that's ongoing. But Carter, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to try to call a bottom here. And, and again, this bear market that we've been in, you know, since, you know, January 4th, as you, you mentioned, when the S&P made a new high, you also highlight the fact that there were plenty of stocks in the S&P 500 that were already in a bear market. So you've done some work on the length of the average length of bear markets. The data that you're presenting here, and we've been talking about this, you had a report on worth charting, I think, you know, in the spring about the shoot the general's last. I remember we did it on Fast Money. It was a great piece. Well, they just shot them, right? And the one general, I guess it was just a kind of flesh wound, was Apple and is bucking the trend. And then you put that data together, which worked over the last month. Is this the best 
example of how the market might bottom if you think about it like like why might we have i'm not calling a bottom and and again i want to be really kind of you know uh, objective here i'm not going to be pressing lows i'm not going to be selling you know what i mean the the the, the bottom I, it's not going to be like all of 2009 you remember the obsession with people you know I, and i probably fell victim to it just saying there's no way that March of 09 was the bottom. You remember that? And mm-hmm. it just kept on going and going. I think that data that you just presented though, man, it might really show the sort of breadth away from those generals after the fundamental news. Might that be it? I don't know. Right. And also to, to some extent, these are not exactly cadets or privates yeah. on that 50 basket. Those are all yeah. colonels and you know, big names. So it's a, it's a very complex thing. And I don't, I, I, let me just say, I, I don't know the answer, uh, but what I, I think we have to watch is the interplay, right, between yeah. these kinds of stocks. <clears throat> so for now, just with today's action, one could say, well, it's getting resolved with the apples starting to get back on their feet. Uh, I do think, though, that some of the moves in those stocks that you saw, 20, 30 percent in the past month, are a bit extreme. And you'll notice the energy is kind of down today. Some of the things that are stretched are due for a give back. Mm-hmm. One of the things growing up I used to enjoy in the Mad Magazine, Dan, was Spy versus Spy. I mentioned that because, oddly enough, you bring with you charts that pit one company or one index against another. You've done extraordinary work with this. You brought a bunch. Walk us through them, CBW. Yeah, let's have some fun here. So let's what, what I have... Um, We'll see what comes up on the screen because I'm not remembering what the order was. But uh, what, what I have is some baskets, and, and we'll see those in a second. Okay, so speaking of, this is if you were to plot those top five stocks, in this case, all right, Tesla being in there, um, as a basket, equal weight. So as though it was one security. Mm-hmm. The key, and we're going to toggle here, is where we are in relation to the June low. Now, let's look at the S&P. I believe we have that and put this in context. So S&P breaks below its June low, but now is back above it. Let's go back to the basket. The basket is just now breaking below the June low. And so while this basket was holding up better, it's now worse. And so the way to really look at it is look at the two as a ratio. The next chart is a ratio chart. And so what you'll see here is this is simply taking the top five as a single security and looking at their performance relative to the S&P. Now, that is pretty heavy. And look at the line that can be drawn on the next iteration. Basically, we're undercutting, and you'll see it here coming up, we're undercutting Mm-hmm. basically 12 month lows. It's not, uh, it's not the greatest setup or which is to say there's always rotation and this very in favor basket is showing its age. So what you're saying is, I'm sorry, Dan, I'm so quickly, what you're saying is despite the fact that the S and P is now bounced, I want to say nine and a half percent from the October 13th low, these charts are telling a much different potentially more important story. Is that accurate? Right. And also it speaks to the interplay between parts of the market or finally, which is to say this kind of dispersion should allow for alpha generation for both an individual and a 
professional portfolio manager. Yeah, I was going to say that I don't know if you heard us talking about just some of the the gaps <clears throat> that we've seen, you know, that relative to performance, we've seen some gaps in some of those names. What do you think about buying those gaps in in in, in the period like we are right now? I think both you and Guy think that maybe we have, you know, another 3, 4, 5% or something like that. You know, might we see a meta gap fill, an Amazon gap fill? Maybe not the whole gap, there were big gaps uh, on Microsoft the way, you know, it, it is striking how quickly, you know, the capitulation and snap happened and then bang, you know, this stock closed at 10 and a half um, the day before its earnings traded as low as seven and a half. And now it's trading at 10 bucks. Are we going to see that? Could we see that in Amazon and meta? And is it a good, I know you're going to say it's not great technique. Yeah, not good technique. I mean, here's the thing. Gaps are after a stock gaps down. It is gapping down for a reason, right? It's been reset fundamentally. And in principle, it's because it's worth less after the news has been released than it was the prior day before the close. <laughs> and so over time, one can play for gap fills, but on the day of a gap or the next day, you let the dust settle. There's no reason to come in. And quite often there's follow through, right? Yeah. There are people For everyone that can act quickly, oh my God, look at this news. My God, sell the Amazon. There are huge endowments and committees that haven't even met out, right? Put Amazon on the blotter for the conversation on Tuesday at the weekly meeting. Yeah, we got to figure out what to do here. Meaning that people haven't even come around to coping with it. Yeah. Merck, Humana, McDonald's. One of these things is not like the others. It turns out they're all probably very similar. Yeah. Well, Bring, talk to us as to what you did here. That's right. So this is kind of fun. This is this is Merck, Humana. What it is, is these are stocks are all making new 52-week highs in a tape where, you know, it's a big old mess. S&P is nowhere near its 52-week high. And if just to put this in context, it speaks to rotation. Because if you look at this next iteration, and then we'll toggle, put in the S&P. So this is the story of the equity market. These are laggards. S&P is up and to the right. Why? Black line, because it's got Apple and Microsoft. And then now we're switching places, right? The winners have reversed into losers and the losers or laggards anyway, are the winners. But one wants to always favor relative strength, day-to-day uh, -day performance, week-over-week -week performance. And these stocks, and many of them, uh, you mentioned Guy and Dan, and including things like Lockheed um, and others are just ticking to new eyes. Yeah, and you brought individual charts, and all going to look similar, but I think the first one is Merck. I mean, lower left, upper right, but really over the last three and a half, four weeks, it's really showed its relative strength. Yeah, and bouncing off the 150-day fairly well. Now, to be fair, one could say, but hold on, isn't it a bit steep day-to-day, week-over-week, having gone from 84 to 104? And that is true. So in a perfect world, one would maybe stay long and write calls or hedge in some way. But the main message is to be acting like this in a tape like this mm -hmm. is impressive. And then Humana, I think, is next. It's, they're all going to look similar, but there's a reason why you're showing these again. It's 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 all basically predicated on a broader market that's giving it up a bit. And now people looking for, in some cases, value, safety, um, yep. maybe dividend. I mean, they all have different stories, but they're all doing the same thing. I mean, those are literally three key words you just said, value, safety, dividend. I mean, uh, yes. And, and then we have uh, one more. Uh, what was McDonald's? The yeah, McDonald's, which is now, interestingly, just getting to its mm -hmm. former high. The others have made uh, meaningfully new intermediate highs and 52 week highs. McDonald's. And here, too, it's it's always about time frames. One could say, I'm not going to chase McDonald's having gone from 230 to, to 275. <laughs> but it's also, yes, extended like that. But if it's the same price it was in December. 
How could it be extended? So you have a stock that hour to hour, week over week has moved a lot, 230 to 275. But yet at the same time, if it's unch since Gen 1, how could it be extended? It's just Carter, who you are. If the, if the three of us went to see the Allman Brothers at Beacon Theater when they had their Beacon Theater shows in March for about a 10-day period of time, and the three of us wanted to go to McDonald's, let's say, after the show, I know what I would get. What would your order be, please? Well, one of my favorites, so I, I always went with the Big Mac, but I must say that old fat, the original apple pie that was oh, burning no. your Burn your tongue off hot with the crispy. The new one is no good. It's all just, that was incredible. All right. That but real real, so real quickly, guy, before we get out of here, um, <clears throat> you know, if we have that S&P chart, um, the one year that we had to start, let's just talk about this thing here because, again, a lot went on. We had Chinese stocks basically capitulate this week, but but really retesting those lows. We have finally had some of the big tech companies you know, have a bit of a come to Jesus as far as the quarter and the guidance, and we had some massive gaps here. But the market and all the work that you just showed us, there's other things going on in other parts of the market, which is showing some pretty decent decent breath. We're all focused on this November 2nd meeting and what the Fed is going to do and, and what they're going to say. So here's the thing. If they're remotely dovish, are we making a beeline to that downtrend that, you know, again, that's been in place since January 4th, and that gets you, you know, above, I don't know, 4,100-ish or so. And under what conditions, Carter, do you think this year that it could break out? I mean, like you've done the report. I saw it on worth charting to the penny in April to the penny in in August. Do you know what I mean? Like what would be the conditions that it could blow through that downtrend? Yeah, it would be the, the sequence would be first, you've got to get there. Right. Yeah. And then it's how you behave at that level. So if, and as we were to continue to rally seasonal year end, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we were to get to 4,000 plus minus. It's how it behaves at that level. Do you back away aggressively or do you back and fill? Backing and filling is quite helpful. And that would imply in enduring interest in equities. Well, we shall see. Um, and then, of course, it's all about the markets looking forward six to nine months. So what really does lie ahead in the middle of 2023. Well, we're going to find out on Monday when we come back. Um, by the way, look at you two well quaffed with your hair and G-Swiss here sporting what appears to be a very badass mohawk. And that's what I do on Fridays. I'm just telling you people right now. And you notice my earpiece, my IFB, as they say. That's I mean, I'm a hot mess to go back to Carter's hot apple pie, which nobody on the friggin' planet likes except you. You learn something every day here on Market Call. But that's it for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed it. Want to thank FactSet for providing us data. Some people say data. And obviously, all the charts. I want to thank Carter Braxton Worth, the well-coiffed Dan Nathan, feeling it on Friday, headed to Syracuse to see the orange. Actually, they're the orange just now, they're right? The orange. They're the Against orange. the uh, Fighting Irish of Notre Dame in a football match. Syracuse, really, Dan, I, I know we don't want to talk about this. we got to go. They had Clemson beat, and they let them off 
The oh, ropes, man. not good. You know what? I will I will say this though, real quickly. Here's a team that had not been six and zero since 1987. Okay, they are on the road. They are at Clemson. They are up 21 to 10 at the half. They played a brilliant half of football. This is a team that was ranked number five. Is this Clemson? You know what I mean? It has a few national championships over the last you know decade or so. They just played as well as they played in the first half. They played that poorly and they lost by six, 27. 21 on the road, not so bad. I'll bet they make a mess of Notre Dame okay. in the J no, I, like, I like that wireless dome tomorrow at noon. Check it out, people. I think Mark Bavaro's brother was on that Syracuse team yeah. back in the day, played linebacker, if memory serves, which is a great poll by me. But that's it for today. CB dubs, please don't get an apple pie before options action this evening at 5:30. I will no, be on. CNBC is fast money at 5 p.m. on a Friday. Go figure. I believe that Sarah Eisen is hosting the show. I guarantee I will rile her up at some point over the half hour. And we'll see you folks back on Monday. Have a good day.